Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Celebrating 25 years as your host of the Garden Hotline. Here's Mike Miller on KMOX. There's geese, there's turkeys, there's goats, there's chickens, there's rabbits. They all sell, all say, welcome to our farm. The fields behind the chickens, goats, and turkeys, and everything else, the rabbits, are filled with fields. And, uh, you know, this is where part of the farm happens. So back around front, though, you're going to see some low-growing roses. You're going to see hosta. You're going to see hydrangeas. Well, it's all happening here at Stuckmeyer's Farm Market and Greenhouses. So why not come by and say hi and you're just going to be overwhelmed at how everything looks so good. It's just, it's absolutely fantastic. So if you do have any questions or concerns, give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I'll be back after these messages. Mornings and afternoons, King MOX has news at the top and bottom of the hour. Traffic and weather every 10 minutes and sports at 15 and 45. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, any questions, concerns, or comments? Wow, what a week this has been. It was so warm earlier in the week. And, man, these last couple of days, woo-wee. Well, why don't we head out to St. Charles for the first call and go into Doug's yard. Doug, how are you? I'm doing well. You must be psychic because I was calling about a raised bed. I'm building a raised bed up against a, a stone retaining wall, and it's going to be uh, 3 foot by 13 foot, but it's going to be a tall one. My wife can't get down because she's got bad knees, so I'm building this, and it's about 20 inches high, the top of it. Okay. But what I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting to fill the bottom part with uh, some old wood that I have here, but uh, should I put a screen at the bottom to keep the gremlins from coming up from the bottom? There's nothing going to come up from the bottom. I would not put the wood in there, to be honest with you, okay. because as that breaks down, that could cause some real problems. If anything, I would uh, backfill, let's say, the, let's, how high was it going to be? I can't remember. Uh, it's going to be about 20 inches deep. I would probably put, uh, first, turn the soil over before That's you do anything. Done underneath and then probably get uh, like two inch river rock and put about six or eight inches of river rock at the bottom and then backfill the rest of it with like the raised bed mix yes i was looking at uh buying buying the, the soil but i would need about two yards of soil well right that's a lot of that so so you'd advise putting river rock in there and then put the dirt on top of it and don't worry exactly. about putting a hardware cloth on the bottom to keep the animals out 
No, there's nothing that's going to come up underneath like that that I, you know, that I've ever envisioned myself. And what you can do too to get some more information, that's about how how high the raised beds are at the Missouri Botanical Garden. So you might go to their website and see what they are saying about raised beds, what they're putting on the base of theirs. But you know, you want the rock there. You want it. You've already turned the soil over, so it's not compacted, and the rock just you know facilitates a drainage and reduces the amount of you know, the raised bed mix or whatever you do, whatever you decide to backfill with. And should I line the inside? I'm going to use pressure-treated wood, and that's what it's going to be mounted to, or that's what it's going to be. And should I um, cover the back of that wood with um, something that will keep the moisture from getting into it and cause the wood to rot quicker? Well, you, you could do that, but probably what I would do, if anything, would be a landscape fabric. Yeah, okay. Right, yeah, right. not pl- don't do plastic. Okay, landscape fabric. It lets the water right. through, but doesn't let the dirt through. Right, okay, exactly. I, I thank you very much. All right, perfect. Well, thank you. And uh, it looks like if you have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Uh, I'm sure you've been driving through the metropolitan area and you've seen giant fields of purple flowers. And that purple flower that we're seeing is henbit. The henbit is, a, in, in reality, is considered a weed and it's in the lamium family, the lamium group. But it is one of the type of weeds that germinated last August. So to get rid of these annual weeds like this henbit, it's spectacular, but you don't necessarily want it in your landscape or in your beds or anything else or in your lawn. But uh, you would be putting a pre-emergent down in August. So besides the henbit, the cool season weeds include chickweed, the annual bluegrass, speedwell, some, uh, there's a type of clover, and shepherd's purse also. So this is the things that pre-emergence have to go down two times a year. The cool season weeds, which grow all winter long, they don't care how cold it is or anything else, and then they explode and flower, consequently making seed this time of year, drop the seed, and then when the weather gets warm, then they just go ahead and die. But the pre-emergence that you're putting down now when the yellow forsythia is in flower is like to get rid of ragweed, purslane, knotweed, lamb's quarter, uh, crabgrass, barnyard grass, goosegrass, foxtail, violets, and those type things. Now the violets have already bloomed, or I mean not bloomed, but they've already basically, uh, they're you know growing, they're obvious. So I mean, it wouldn't hurt. You've got about a few more days to get the pre-emergent down. If you do it any later than that, you're probably wasting your money. But uh, the pre-emergence that you're putting down now, that you put down when the forsythia is in bloom, and it's in full bloom right now, that means the soil temperatures are about 55 degrees or so. Uh, that's to get rid of these you know, really nasty ones that all of us know more so than Let's say, even though we realize that the henbit, the chickweed, and the annual bluegrasses are out there, we just don't quite understand that it takes two times a year to put the pre-emergent down. So, and joining me right now is somebody here. <laughs> We've got to sh- shift people around and watch out for wires and everything else. Ready? Sure. Okay. And what's your name? I'm Phil Luckrill. Okay. Great. And what are you doing here? 
Well, right now we're busy with our busy spring. All right, uh, perfect. Right, we uh, we farm out in the fields, and we also uh, do the greenhouses. So right now it's a matter of who who can help out in the field and who can help in the greenhouses. And today. Most people are in greenhouses with the weather. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I have a question for you. I saw there's a lot of sweet alyssum in flower right now. Now, how did you guys induce that to flower this early? It's a little bit soon. Well, I... <laughs> Magical some, incantation? Some, yeah, sometimes you do it right. You know, we, <laughs> we, we, we have books and books that says when we plant things and how many. And uh, uh, we try to get things blooming. We do three sowings on everything. So... We try to get everyone, everything, so we have throughout the season, so we can have stuff. And maybe we did something right for, for once this year. So the the plants look spectacular. I'm, you know, to be honest with you, I thought everything would be a little bit uh, undersized this time of year, but uh, wow. Yeah, and and part of the stuff is we're, we don't really wholesale. Uh, we're retail, so we don't have to keep everything a certain size to get on trucks. Uh, that's um, makes a nice plant. The problem is, is later in the season, our plants get pretty good size. Sometimes we got to give them little haircuts to get them going again and switch out. But um, so we try to make a nice plant, and uh, that's we have a good size. We have a good size plant. So how long you've been associated with the Stuckmeyers? Well, I married into this, so oh. I've, I've been doing this for thirty years now. So um, they've been doing it for a long time. There've been right. generations and generations, and they were um, vegetable growers, wholesale vegetable growers, and planted lots of lettuce tomatoes and all that and then they got into greenhouse business in the um early 80s and we started in this location actually in this location they've been in this location since 1954 but um the greenhouses we we built almost all these greenhouses uh we start out with one greenhouse and went from next just kept building them up when we almost got an acre greenhouses okay i gotta let you go because i know you're really busy but uh how about the farm out back well, we're we're trying to get stuff going with being so wet. And, I but, mean, not the farm farm. I mean the farm animals. Oh, the farm animals. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part of our Halloween stuff. Ah, but, uh, you mean yeah. you put masks on them and things like that? Well, masks yeah, on we, rabbits? Well, <laughs> we do. <laughs> we have our Polish chickens. <laughs> we got them with the... <laughs> So, but uh, that's quite a collection so, back yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's, I was a little disappointed. There's only one goat, though. Yeah, that was the goat we had out by uh, our corn maze. So it was out there when we had people coming out, and it, it was sat out there by the bales. And it's uh, yeah, one goat, one's he, enough though. Yeah, he's a nice goat. I mean, he lets me pet him and everything else, even though I was a stranger. Well, that's, we 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 train them, so we train them to be nice to customers. <laughs> well, great. Well, thanks, and we'll talk to you again next hour. Thank you. Perfect. Well, let's go back to the phones and let's go to Creepcore. Diane, how are you? Good morning. I'm great. I have a yes. two quick questions for you. Okay. Aeration and and then heavy seeding. Should that be done? And can I do that now, or do I need to wait to the fall? Uh, what type of seed are we talking about? Fescues and bluegrasses. That would, if you're going to put those down, realize you cannot put a pre-emergent down. So that's you know you do that, and it's going to kill your lawn seed as it germinates too. I'm not or if you've already had a, okay, so uh, if you're going to do it, you should get it done really soon because uh, you know you've got actually the you know the seed you want to get to your ground if you can get it dethatched or at least heavily raked before you put the seed down. It's a little bit early, but you could go ahead and put it down if you wanted to. Normally, the grass seed would go down 
towards the end of this month and in early May. But uh, we're probably fine because we never know what the weather is going to be like. So you're okay with that. And then when you put the seed down, you know, it wouldn't hurt to put a, like a quarter inch of compost over the top of it and then also some seed starter fertilizer. Okay, how about watering? Uh, basically, the, when you first do it for the, you know, if there's no rain for the first couple of weeks, you should, you should keep it damp, not soaked, about every day. I know that's a lot of extra work. But, you know, after that point, then it should be, you know, the root system should start, you know, penetrating into the ground. It should be able to absorb some out of the ground. But uh, initially, it's almost, a, you know, at least a week's worth of watering every day. Okay. Question number two, I have done nothing to my crepe myrtles. They're big and wild. And, and I mean, when can I cut, when should I cut those back? Like immediately, or does that make a difference? Yeah, before any kind of new growth begins. So that's the ideal time to do it. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Yeah, the new growth hasn't hasn't started yet, correct? No, it has not. Okay, great. So, yeah, do do it as soon as possible. How far down do I cut it? Well, some people will cut them severely. You know, depending upon how tall they are, I would think, you know, 25 or 30 percent off or half off but uh like i say some people cut them way you know down but uh it's it's really a personal thing more so than anything else okay great okay thank you so much yep thanks diana and now let's go to georgia georgia is in o'fallon hi georgia good morning mike I have a question about a couple of spruces that were originally planted too close together. Uh, a lot of the limbs, I'm not sure what variety they are. Um, the limbs are dragging on the ground and they trap a lot of branches and uh, leaves and that. We'd like to clean up underneath them. Will it hurt them to limb up a couple branches on the bottom of those now? No, it wouldn't. No, I mean, you could do it now, but ideally, you know, with the evergreens, you should be doing it uh, during the wintertime because probably the candles are elongating, so they're really getting ready to put out a new surge of growth. If you want to do it, you know, I tell everybody, you know, things like this because this has kind of been proven through the years by true professionals or whatever. But I have a mugo pine that's getting, that was huge. And I thought, you know, I'm always telling people not to prune any kind of conifers, you know, during this time of year or during the heat of the summertime. But I just cut one of the major branches off my mugo pine just to kind of see what's going to happen, to see ultimately if it's going to be a bacteria situation, disease situation, or what's going to go on, you know, go on with that. And I sort of abuse plants even though I'm doing exactly what you're not supposed to do. But uh, you can go ahead and cut a couple of them off if you'd like and uh, see what happens. Okay, well, I tend to be a plant abuser myself. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, um, we, we can't clean up anything underneath it, and uh, they're pulling each other down around the bottom. We're not going to do anything drastic, just maybe one or two on the bottom. Okay. Uh, if the branches are really long now make sure that you cut them off in sections so one third at a time with the final cut being you're going to leave about a quarter inch stub okay all right sounds good thank you mike yep mike miller kmos garden hotline back after these messages 
If you love soccer and want to see the MLS in St. Louis, you need to check out the First Eleven, St. Louis's soccer podcast featuring Mr. Soccer, Bill McDermott. It's our weekly soccer podcast. We'll cover the sport around the world, here in our country, and just about any place they're playing the sport. The First Eleven is sponsored by Bud Light, Game Day's favorite light lager, and famous among friends. The First Eleven. Check it out now at kmox.com slash soccer. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Watch out because the grass with these warmer days is really starting to elongate kind of quickly. Not necessarily the zoysia, but the cool season lawns of fescues and bluegrasses what they do is if they get elongated and we start getting these really humid days, you know, you're setting up a scenario where you're going to have fungus problems and then you're going to lawn's going to decline even worse than what it does when the weather just warms up. So start get out there and start cutting your grass definitely if you have a cool season lawn, bluegrasses or fescues. So uh Probably this time of year, you want to cut it about to oh, three and a half inches should be adequate. But I walked past the yard the other day, and there I can't figure out exactly why their lawn was as long as it was. But it was probably four, maybe four and a half to five inches. So that's kind of long because when it rains, it's going to mat it down, and that sets up a perfect scenario for the lawn diseases and fungus things. Let's go to Holiday Shores. Kathy, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. How are you doing, Mike? Very good. Uh, thanks so much for your wonderful program, and congratulations on your 25 years. Uh, well, I have thanks. a problem with clover this year, and I believe in the past you said to bruise the leaves and spray it or treat it before it develops a waxy film on the leaves. Right. Uh, we've sprayed it with Weed Be Gone once, and it didn't phase it. I don't know how to bruise the leaves and what would be the best thing to spray it with. Uh, you could c- continue with the weed be gone, just or look for another broadleaf weed killer that actually mentions clover specifically. But bruising them just means step on them right before you spray. So sp- oh, step on enough, them and kind of yeah, spin your you know spin your your heel or your your you know the ball of your foot on them to you know to wound them a little bit, and that just gets it you know opens up holes for it to be absorbed into. Okay, well that sounds easy enough. All right, thanks a bunch. Certainly. Now let's go to Margie, and Margie's in Kirkwood. Hi, Margie. Mike, um, I have a question about a Shuffleria tree I've had for, it's over 21 years old, so it's like three feet tall, and it looks like Mm -hmm. an 80-year-old tree. And I've been bringing it in every winter, of course, and right now it's got, I guess, aphids, like the, the white, sticky stuff on the leaves. Hello? Well, it could be scale. Well, is it, okay. are, do these things move, or are they just stuck in one place? Well, I think they um, just stuck. They're just stuck in one place, I believe. Yeah, so it's, it's actually scale. Oh, S C A L E. Yeah. What do you do about that? Basically, what you got to do is get a horticultural, you know, type of oil and spray it, and what it does is suffocate them. Okay. All right. So should I wait till I go outside? Is something going to fall? Are these bulbs or what? 
Uh, yeah, probably it's a little easier to wait till you get it, you know, get them outside. Yeah. But definitely wa- look on the underside of leaves, look along the stems, look along the trunks, and everything else because yeah. the scale is is vicious as far yeah, as it's I mean, it's now. prolific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it going to kill it? Will it kill it? No, it just you know causes it some major problems. I guess if you just left them over time. And another way to do it is just to take like a wet paper towel and see if you can wipe it. Wipe as many off as you can right now before you take them outside. And then once you get them outside, use a summer weight horticultural oil. I will try that. Thank you. Yep. And now let's go to, let's see, Rose in Swansea. Rose, how are you? Hello, Rose? Yes. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I have two quick questions. And, of course, it's One's about grass again. Um, but what I did this year, last year I dug up my whole front yard and stuff to get rid of, uh, saying, well, I don't know what kind of, what is it, Bermuda grass. It was so awful. And uh, anyway, planted grass and all did the thing, you know, put the, the compost in and everything, and it looks great. Well, what I did is instead of putting down a pre-emergent like I should have done, I thought, oh, I'm going to just go ahead and oversee it. It looks good and everything. And I did. And I did that about, uh, what, um, three weeks ago? Or maybe not quite, uh, but not 20. Yeah, about three weeks ago, I put down grass seed. And I uh, uh, heard you say that you could put down some um, pre-emergent, you know, in a couple days or so. And I wonder if if it's still good for me to do that. Can I, I do would that? not do that. No. Okay, if you wouldn't all, do if that. All okay. your, yeah, if all your seed is already germinated and growing, but still a pre-emergent can have a, you know, a, a detrimental impact on newly germinated seed. In theory, it really shouldn't, but it does because it's a chemical. Okay. So, okay. I mean, so put, you never yeah. want to mix those two things together. All right, then uh, wait until when do I put down the pre, uh, another uh, dose of uh, killer <laughs> pre-emergent? <laughs> Basically, you're going to have to wait until August, and that's going to get rid of the weeds that are growing now, you know, future. Okay, yeah. So, I've just got a so lot of hen So that would be, you know, the plant that you would want to get rid of by putting the pre-emergent down in August. Okay. Okay, and I have um, some wagila. I have three bushes, and I've when I had my other house, I they were I they were small. They kept they stayed basically small but i've got them over the side of the of a of a north i i guess it's uh northwest wall uh more, more north and they've just gotten so big and of course and there's you know and i have it anyway they're they're blooming i i cut them back about two inches or so t- at, the, at the tips of them just a couple of days ago and they're growing everything but should they get that big I mean, Genetically, I that's how big, big they get. A medium-sized bush. Right. They get big. So what you should do is just wait until they finish flowering and then go ahead and cut about half of it back. Okay. Now, the soil that I uh, – it, it's up against the house, and sometimes with all this rain and stuff, it gets very wet back there. And I've got it built up where the – it. Uh, the, the uh, dirt is built up around it and everything, but it's 
I'm sure it still gets wet in there. Is that should I? Is that a bad place to put them? Well, let's put it this way: if they're getting big and they're flowering and doing well, then apparently not. <laughs> well, why didn't I think about that? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing teaches like success. So thanks, okay. Rose. Greatly right. appreciate well, it. Okay. You know, because I, I listen to you every week, and I learn so many things from you, but there's just some things that just don't work out for me, like you say. And uh, But anyway, thank you very That's, much. Certainly. That's just nature. You can't beat nature. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. The cards are south of the border and taking on the Cincinnati Reds in Mexico tonight. Emerald Total Access 515. First pitch with John Rooney and Ricky Horton at 610. Hear it here on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we're live and lively and we're at Stuckmeyer's. Where's this farm and market and greenhouse? The greenhouse is fantastic. It was kind of cool this morning, so on the drive down, I was thinking, hmm, wonder if we're going to be outside. But no, no, no. The people here at Stuckmeyers, they take care of everything, not only the plant material. So we're inside the greenhouse. We're looking at all this great stuff for springtime with flowers and everything else. And you just, you can't believe how well the plant material looks. And they take care of it all themselves. And it's like, once you're born into the family, this is kind of in your blood. It's in your genes. It's sort of like me with curly hair. It's in my genes. And that's what the nice thing is about Stuckmeyers. The staff here is great. They're nice. They're friendly. They can help you with whatever you might be thinking about. And also the plant material is fantastic. Let's go right now to Pete, and he lives in Ladue. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. So, uh, yeah, how you doing? Um, is it too late to trim a burning bush, and for that matter, in general, shrubs in your yard? Uh, basically, as long as it, I mean the new growth is probably starting to emerge, but something like a burning bush, it wouldn't matter. What I would be concerned with is new growth is beginning on a plant that flowers in the summertime, like a Rosa Sharon or butterfly bush or things like that. If you prune them now or crepe myrtle and the growth has already started, they're already actually, even though you're not seeing maybe the flower buds, they're already starting to form on the inside. So you may really mess up the flowering. Perfect. Thank you but very much. But anything that you're not concerned with uh, flowering, then I would say you can go ahead and do it. Okay, thank you very much. Yep. And now let's go to, let's say, Pat in St. Charles. Hi, Pat. Hi, Mike. Uh, I'm wondering if it's too late to trim my Japanese maple that's on the corner of my house and is too close to the other shrub. My neighbor said I shouldn't be doing that. Is that right? Basically, the maples beeches and birch trees prefer to be pruned in the summertime so i would wait for another couple weeks until we get more into this more let's say summer scenario and then prune it at that time so any of the maples whether it's sugar you know silver japanese or anything else birch trees like river birch or beech trees want to be pruned in the summertime all right well thank you very much i guess he was right Thank you. Bye. Let's go to Phyllis in Hartford. Hi, Phyllis. Hi. It's, uh, what I want to know is I think I heard it on your show about lime around your comitis vines. And 
uh, do I use hybrid, hydrated lime or do I use organic garden lime? It's your or does personal it make choice. Any different? It really doesn't. I mean, it just depends upon your own your attitude towards you know what you prefer to use, and just make sure that you mix it in the soil a little bit and then water it in really well. Okay. Okay. I've got several. One, I just, they just keep coming up. I know how to look for them, and I've got them on fences and everything else, and I wanted to get them some lime because I haven't done that. And how often should I do that? You know, ideally you would get a soil test done and find out what the pH is. You may not even need to put the lime in, but I would probably think about doing it every few years just okay. in case. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. I enjoy your show so good. Okay. Well, Bye-bye. thank you. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, one of the uh, clemat- uh, excuse me, clematis vines and lilacs are two of the major plants that we grow a lot of that prefer a more alkaline soil. Generally, plants overall prefer acidic soil. So the alkalinity is like the saltiness, and it just it helps the overall health. Now let's go to Rich in Creve Coeur. Hi, Rich. Good morning, Mike. Hey, I've got Hi. two arbor vitaes on, uh, out in front of my house, and over the winter I've had some deer that have eaten around the, you know, basically as far up as they could eat. And they, these two arbor vitaes right now look like two giant uh, green mushrooms. So <laughs> my question is a trimming question. I, I would like to even these out. When should I do that? Uh the conifers, for the most part, like the lady was, you know, she had called in about pruning her spruce, limbing them up. Right. Uh, if, it's, if it's damaged stuff, you could go ahead and prune it now. Because getting rid of the damaged stuff, any kind of, let's say, things where deer have chewed and frayed things, that just opens an opportunity for potential disease problems. And just make nice, clean cuts. Make sure your pruning shears or whatever you're using are nice and sharp so you don't fray it yourself. But... Uh, Beyond that, I would say most of the conifers prefer to be pruned in, uh, let's say, the cooler seasons because of bacteria problems and things along that, that type of line. Okay, thank you. Certainly. Yeah, and for everybody else, it's, uh, let's try to get, uh, let's see, it's, is it Jay? Jay in South City. Hi, Jay. Good morning. Two quick questions. For one, um, is it okay to plant my elephant ear bulbs now with this crazy weather going on? Yes. You should it be is. fine. Yeah. Okay. I have mine already out and planted. Oh, okay. Very good. Number two, the uh, Martha Washington geraniums. Are you familiar with them? Yes. Um, I understand they take full sun. Is that correct? They do, and they have a very short life. So they're not going to be like the classic geraniums that are just going to grow all through the summertime and then all through the fall until, uh, let's say, cold weather kills them off. But they have a, they're more or less, a, let's say, a spring like, excitement. Oh, okay, very good. Well, that rules that one out then. Thank you, sir. Appreciate Certainly. the show. Certainly. And folks come on down here to Stuckmeyers. it is absolutely incredible you can wander around like i said if you want to go out back and you can pet the goats 
You can see the turkeys. You can do anything. Also, when you're buying things here, they have cardboard boxes that you can carry around with you. But also, they have carts that you can push around. So you can buy a couple plants here, a couple plants there, and just roll these carts. And, I mean, they are really smooth carts. Then you just take them to the checkout point, which is here in the front greenhouse. And all kinds of different stuff going on. Different kinds of plant material. I, you know, to be honest with you, I look at plant material a lot. You know, when I'm out for my walk and talks and I'm in between appointments, I just stop by nurseries and stuff. But the size of the pansy flowers here, this is the biggest I've seen. So, I mean, it's amazing. And they are totally dedicated. It's a family-run op- you know, situation and operation. And you can see the dedication. They hand-water everything. When we were here earlier, they were watering and they were talking about last night we didn't think this got watered but then somebody else said no i went ahead and watered that so they water they know how much to water and it's obvious just when you step in and the plant material looks fantastic so just come by take a look whether no matter what your interest is i bet they've got something here that can trigger your interest and that besides the holiday stuff the easter stuff there's all kinds of rabbits and everything else So what could be more fun than that? So Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. I will see you after the news. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Celebrating 25 years as your host of the Garden Hotline. Here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, good gardening, and we are live and lively from Stuckmeyer's Farm Market and Greenhouse here on Schneider's. Is that how you pronounce it? Schneider? Schneider. Schneider Drive, which is in Fenton. It's right off 141. It's kind of just west of Tesson Ferry, 141, and you'll see it. it. I mean, the place just it embraces you as you head down the road off 141, so... And the closer you get, the more exciting it gets, and what could be more fun than that? And engineering, Alex is engineering. Back in the studio is Greg. He is producing. So the second hour means the tip of the trial. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly. But uh, thanks for having me on your show. And remember, if you were not there, I would not be here. So if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, 314 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. How about your annuals, the pansies? You want some pansies? Well, head down here. They're pansies. The flowers are the size of tennis balls. I mean, these are really spectacular. How about your bulbs? They've got some elephant ears here. They've got cannas as well. They've got caladiums. Caladiums are fully going. I mean, wow. Usually you have to, you buy the, you know, caladium bulbs, you sit there, you wait, you wait, you wait. Why wait when you can come here and get them going right now? They've got house plants. They've got, uh, how about your lawn? How's your lawn doing? How about your perennials? My hostas are really slow coming up this year, but, uh, you know, that's okay. I see them. They're breaking the surface of the ground. That's fine. The tulips and daffodils that I've, you know, I got from Broadside St. Louis, they are at their peak right now how are your shrubs doing how about your roses your trees your vines or your water gardens but remember my answers comments and opinions is strictly offered as an option and certainly not the only garden path to take so if you are um, considering making some changes or just curious about something in your landscape and uh, maybe some problems 
why don't you have me come to your home and I'll do a walk and talk. You can go to my website and uh, MikeMillerDesigns.com on the homepage. There's my email address and phone number. Today's tip of the trowel, which is a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me, is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. The tip of the trowel goes out to the Missouri Botanical Garden, and they're going to celebrate the beauty of the Chinese culture. And that's going to be April 27th and 28th. 40th anniversary of a, kind of a connection between the Botanical Garden and the uh, city in China. So for more information, go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and look at Chinese Culture Day. Also, the tip of the trial goes out to the Edwardsville Children's Museum. They actually, it's a museum, it's a, a situation set up where they actually teach kids to enjoy the outdoors and the gardens and things along that line. So, you know, actually, is today the 13th? Whoa, it's a little bit late. But uh, first annual Easter egg hunt at the Children's Museum. On the 27th, it's going to be the night at the museum, which is a spring fundraiser. So that's all kinds of stuff going on as well. They've got in July or June through August, summer camps and everything else. So the Edwardsville Children's Museum gets a tip of the trowel as well as Chinese Culture Days at the Missouri Botanical Garden. So always crazy, great, wild stuff going on here. So let's, why don't we get a call in before we uh, take a break. Let's go to Greg, and Greg is in Richmond Heights. Hi, Greg. Hey, hey, hey the Greg answered the phone, and this is Greg, too, but appreciate it. Thank you. You do a great <laughs> job, and everybody loves you. Thank you. Real simple question. Uh, this isn't about flowers. This is about use. When's the best time to trim them? I want to do it twice a year, but I don't want to take off too much and kill them. <laughs> You're smart, too. Basically, I mean, it hasn't... You're better off to kind of do it in the winter, but not, you know, not early in the winter, so they have a chance to harden off. But uh, or as we're coming out of winter time, sometime my preference is around Valentine's Day because I, you know, pruning in the winter of something, you know, is potentially because you're just shearing it, and the tips that you've cut off are let's say the strongest they've had more exposure to the weather to everything else you remove those then the needles though they were at the tips of the you know branches earlier on uh, are now fully exposed and then if we have a severe cold you could have some winter damage so i like to do the pruning right as we're coming out of winter time Okay, give me another time of year. If I miss, I miss Valentine's Day, shame on me. What's the next time? <laughs> uh, I would say go ahead and do it now. <laughs> Bless your heart. Okay, I, I'll give you the salute of my spade to you. Thank you. <laughs> well, and the reason why I'm saying do it now is because I, wa I want to get it done before the sun gets too intense so we, we don't sunburn the needles that are now fully exposed. Uh, so that's why I'm saying point. do it now. When the next, All right. my next shot, my, when's my next shot after this? In the fall, August, or when? Uh, as, you know, just when we're sort of past the most intense, let's say, sun time. So, yeah, late August, early September would be another one. Perfect. Bless your heart. Thank you. Great show. Thank you very much for what well, you do. Well, thank you. And now let's go to Kenneth, and Kenneth is in North County. Hi, Kenneth. Hi. Good morning. I, um put uh, weed and feed down last week in my yard. I think you answered a question. Uh, can I put seed down now for how long? Uh, since weed and feed doesn't kill grass 
plants. It kills broadleaf weeds. I would still wait for probably another week or so after you've put it down. So about two weeks, then you could put the seed down, you know, the grass seed if you wanted to. But uh, beyond that, uh, you should be okay. Okay, it's Kentucky fescue that I want to put down. So yeah, that's fescue rather. Okay, and one other question, if I could, on compost. Uh, I'm going to put some cold weather plants in my uh, raised bed today. Should I mix the compost in with the soil that's there? It's in pretty good shape. Absolutely. um, Okay, I can mix it in. So I can mix compost in any kind of plant in combination, like I have another box and that kind of thing? Yes. I mean, that's the ideal thing. Compost adds a lot of, you know, let's say good pizzazz to your soil. And the soil is what feeds the plant. So a healthy soil is the best thing for any kind of plant material you're trying to grow. Okay, one last question. I can sprinkle compost around the seeds that I put down next week? Yeah, just cover them slightly, like a quarter inch or so. Okay, thank you very much. Yep, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Blues are in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And where can you hear all the action and get the latest blues news on Y98FM, KMOX.com, and your voice of the St. Louis Blues, KMOX. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, we're live in Lively Stuckmeyer's Farm, Market, Greenhouse, and whatever else. It's a great place. And joining me right now is one of the staff members. Yes. How are you? Very good. Good to see you again this hour. It's, it's been nice. It's been a nice, uh, had a lot of people come through, and uh, it's, we're nice for spring. Now, you're actually wearing a full farm outfit, bib overalls. Is this part of the uniform here at Stuckmeyer's? No, actually, it's my uniform. I, 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 <laughs> I wasn't always a farmer, so I, I've learned to be a farmer in the last 30 years, so it's... Uh, <laughs> I, uh, so I farm with them, and uh, we also, when we say farm, we actually drive tractors, plant, we plant tomatoes in the field, and sweet corn, and uh, every vegetable you can grow in the area. So uh, we have some of our specialties. I grow the Stuckmar sweet onions, and do the asparagus, and uh, we all chip in, and this time of year we're busy out in the fields and in the greenhouses, so right. our outside. So you're exhausted. Well, it's Not it's, it's it's, it's a fun. It's energizing. It's energizing. You can come come out and it's sort of tired, but you get out in fresh air, working that ground. You can smell the ground and uh, working on working tractors and planting and everyone working together. It's just a lot of fun. So another question about your outfit: You have a long sleeve shirt on today. Is that just because it's cold, or is it? Uh, is that your us- usual uniform? Well, it's it's mostly cold. It sometimes it protects with the sun, but. Um, uh, usually I'll, I'll wear overalls until it gets hot, and then I'll switch over to shorts with boots. So that's even my next outfit. So, Well, great. So what's going on in the next couple of weeks? Well, um, we, have a, we have a gardening seminar at 1 o'clock today. Um, and then... That's in the market. Building. In the market up here. Yeah. And, it, and it's usually we show new plants that we have for uh, the spring, uh, we have people come in with questions. We'll have a guest speaker that's coming from the Missouri Department of Conservation that's going to talk on uh, helping with uh, animal control in your gardens. And then our big event will be uh, Kids Day, and that's where the Saturday before Mother's Day, uh, we have kids that come out. We have the dirt, the pot, 
the plants, and we put a card on it, and that's all free for the kids. Uh, it's usually a pretty big event. We put a big tent up. Uh, we have uh, Springdale Fire Department come out uh, so the kids can, you know, look at the fire trucks, and it's all for kids, and it's really good for the dads. They bring their kids out, and the, we surprisingly, we're getting kids that haven't really planted flowers before so it's a good learning experience for the kids we enjoy it we put stickers on the pots and the kids are out there and usually the weather's a little warmer and it makes it really nice unfortunately we're really busy at that time too trying <laughs> to get course. things out in the field and right. you know that this kind of business your time is it's basically until you can't go anymore and you go until dark or if you have to you turn the lights on the tractor but most of this stuff is all hand stuff so if it's going to rain or whatever we try to get in before it rains or you know, or we got to rush out and get stuff covered. So it's we everyone comes out and starts helping. So well, speaking of kids, I see you have a great playground. I was going to try to get in there and do some sliding on the slides, but it looks like it's locked or closed. Well, that's for Halloween. That's Fort Spooky. That's our, <laughs> and it's and it's usually very spooky. So, but uh, yeah, it's a bit, really big play area. And during Kids Day, we usually open it up for that special time. But uh, and that's close all. and close in, you have a great sandbox. Yeah, with lots of toys. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's family. This is a great place. Oh, thank you. It's family entertainment. Right. So, uh, we we've we've been lucky enough to be able to raise our kids on this farm and do all that. And we like to show everyone what it's like out in a, really a farm. We're, we're, this is really what you call local produce. We grow it right here. So it's not 100 miles away. We grow every vegetable we can, can do. And we're pretty much known for tomatoes and sweet corn. And then we have all the extras. You aren't kidding. Great place. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank Thanks you. for having me out. Appreciate it. It's really been nice. It's been yes. a pleasure. Let's go now to O'Fallon and talk with Sue. Good morning, Mike. I appreciate your show. I listen. I listen every week. I have two questions about bulbs. Uh, I have two hyacinths, or I have more than two. I had some hyacinths come up in my backyard that I don't like where they're located. When is the best time for me to move them? And then my second question about a bulb is in the, you know, in the summer when I'm putting my annuals in, sometimes I'll dig in my yard and I'll uncover a bulb. Should I just put that back in the ground and cover it up, or have I kind of ruined it by digging it up? You probably haven't ruined it. Are we talking tulips and daffodils as far as yes, what you've right. come across? Yeah, I would just, you know, just, you know, put them back. And as far as like the hyacinths you're talking about, are you talking about the hyacinths that have the great fragrance? Or are you talking about the small hyacinth that's called the grape hyacinth? No, the great hy- fragrance on the bigger, the bigger size. Okay. Uh, basically, as soon as the foliage starts turning brown, you can dig them up and relocate them at that time. Oh, great. Okay, I don't have to wait till fall. No, no. Because how are you going to know where they are? Well, that's my problem. That's why I dig up so many (laughs) in the yard when I put my annuals in. So that's part of my problem. Right. Well, to be honest with you, I don't know. I mean, your tulips and daffodils should be much deeper than what you're digging a hole for your annuals unless you're buying a very large pot for your annuals. Well, sometimes, yeah, you know, sometimes you have to dig the hole twice as wide and twice as deep, and it's a bigger right. plant, and sometimes I'll uncover bulbs then. So I just wasn't sure whether I've just kind of messed them up by digging them up or not. Well, tulips, you know, they have a relatively short life. They've been over-hybridized, and years ago they could last for multiple years. Now sometimes you, know, you get two or three years out of them at the most. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Okay. Well, I appreciate your answer, and I enjoy your show every week. 
Well, thanks for having me on your show. Now let's go from O'Fallon to Fenton, close to where we are right now. And Vince, how are you? Very good, Mike. Uh, this is another listener who listens to you every uh, Saturday morning. Sometimes your voice is just in the background when you're talking about knockout roses. But uh, uh, I have a problem with my uh, – well, it's not a problem – uh, I was going to reseed with uh, fescue seed and some fescue sod around my yard, and I went to St. Louis Composting. Very nice people over there. You can hear me, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, very nice people over there. They uh, sold me three cubic yards of something called Topsoil Plus. Are you familiar with a product like that? Yes. Okay. Um, they told me it would be dark soil very dark soil, and they delivered it, and when it arrived, it was like a tan soil, and it had a lot of uh, dirt balls, some as big as melons and some as small as pebbles, and if you stomped on it, it was black inside. I take it that's my top, my compost? Exactly. Uh-huh. Is this uh, normally what you would expect to get if you were going to get topsoil plus? This is my first time ever going to St. Louis composting. Yes, Topsoil Plus is a mix of 70% screen and pulverized farmland soil combined with 30% STA certified black gold compost. So right. it's a soil and compost mixture. Okay, so I went ahead and I spread it over my yard. It looks like I have a bunch of pebbles. I figure they're probably going to break down over time and the compost will be in the soil. Is that kind of what I should expect? Exactly. Okay. So you got right. everything just right. I think so. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much. Certainly. Now let's go to South County and let's. What's happening in your yard? Well, I bought a climbing rose and a clematis that are supposed to be like planted together. And can you tell me how what I need to do for a climbing rose? I've never had one. Basically, climbing roses are probably the lowest care roses. They don't want to be pruned, but I wouldn't plant them together, to be honest with you. Roses well, like a more in a, acidic... It's in like so- a catalog, you know, and it showed them together. Uh, I, wouldn't <laughs> pl- I wouldn't put them together. Because okay. clematis like alkaline soils, roses like acidic soils. So oh. you'd be putting two plants cl- in close proximity that are going to be butting heads because you're going to be putting, let's say, lime down to make sure your clematis has the alkaline soil that they need, but then that's going to be detrimental to your rose or vice versa. You could be putting sulfur iron down for your rose, and it's going to have a detrimental effect to your clematis. Okay. All right. So then what do I do for my climbing rose? Uh, Basically just put it in the ground and leave it alone. Okay, I and mean, then use ro- do I, do use, I need wanna... some kind of wire support or anything for it? Yeah, it's got to grow up on something, on a fence, on a trellis, something along that line. But also it's got to, you know, use rose food every month once it's, you know, the new growth starts, which uh, should probably, if you, if you just got it, it should be growing. Mm-hmm. So fertilize it every month using rose food. Okay, okay, all right. Because rose food, rose food has, you know... a some nutrients that are not necessarily necessary for all plants. That's why I'm saying use that specific type fertilizer. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. Certainly. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. 
I think spying on a political campaign is a big deal. When the big story breaks. You're not suggesting spying occurred. I think there was a spying did occur. I'm very concerned about the statements made by the Attorney General Barr. Follow every angle. While I'm under audit, I would not give my taxes. It's tax returns. It's witch hunts in every direction. Frankly, the people don't care. When news happens. I never said I'm cleaning house. I don't know who came up with that expression. Follow all of it right here. It feels like the midweek massacre of the Department of Homeland Security. On News Radio 1120 KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We're headed out to Lonedale. Joan, welcome to the Garden Hotline. Oh, thank you, Mike. I enjoy your program. You're always a help to me because you're the expert. I've got two problems over here. An oak leaf hydrangea that's eight years old suddenly died or appears to have died this past summer. And the only trauma it had ever had to it in all those years was when we had our house sighted. This is my guess. The men pulled with, with straps that hydrangea to get it more away from the house so they could get the siding in there and then three four hours later they released the belts and the plants stood back up and that was two years ago and last summer we both noticed that the plant was appears to be dying it just shriveled up and the all the stems got brittle on it so i cut it back in the fall hoping to see that Something was going to happen with it this spring, but the thing is totally brittle. Do I have a dead hydrangea? Yeah, probably what happened is what they did is, you know, they should have cut it actually so they could get, you know, rather than trying to bend it over, they probably, let's say, more or less tore the root system away from the actual plant. Okay. And it had enough strength, you know, within it. To last one more year past that, but in reality, you know that was the destiny of it. Okay, I was afraid of that. It was a, it was gorgeous, and all the deer loved it. The other thing I have, (laughs) oh yeah, y'all, the deer are fantastic. The other thing I have has great leaves. Pardon? It it has great leaves, and the deer are eating the leaves for the moisture. No, they ate the blooms. Oh, really? each, Each spring. It would have to bloom twice. The first wow. time, it would have thousands of buds on it. And I'd come out one morning, and all the buds would be gone. So I didn't do anything with it. And eventually, over the next month, all the, all the buds came back a second time. And this hmm. time, for whatever reason, the deer never bothered it on the second bud growth. Wow. And then it would bloom and be absolutely gorgeous. That's kind of unusual. Usually they go after the moisture content. Oh, no, sir. I wasn't having any of that problem. But they got their own, <laughs> they got their own bird baths and water tubs out right. there. We live, we live in the woods. The other thing I have is, and they get away from me all the time, because it is a ground cover, a juca. And my juca has grown in horse manure, so that's why it just goes right crazy. Through the flower bed, over the 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 border that they have for the flower bed, and onto the pavers that we use for um, sidewalk out here. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what happened. Now it's rooted 
into the little spaces between each of the pavers. Right. And because it's taken over half the sidewalk, it's time for me to make a move. I want to transplant, rip up, hopefully it takes root again, into another flower bed. Am, am I going to be able to do that? I, I, I don't know what to do except soak the azuka more than it's already wet and try gently to pull it up be, from yeah, between the basically. pavers and replant it. Yeah, that's going to be, it's still going to be very iffy. You know, if you're going to get enough of the root system mass and the crown and everything else to be able to transplant it. It's certainly worth a try, but, uh, you know, hmm. No other The chance idea. of having great, yeah, there's nothing else you could do unless you pull up all the pavers, and that way then you could get make sure that you were going to get adequate root system with the ajuga. My, my husband might growl about that. <laughs> I would, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, okay, there's really, I've got a lot of ajuga, right. so if it doesn't make it, I'll just have to rely on the rest of my azuka to keep on growing. Exactly, I, and it I sure will. Thank you very much for your time. Yep. Thank you. Well, thank you. And now let's go to Tom in De Pere. Hi, Tom. Hey, Mike. Uh, I got a situation with a, uh, a fescue lawn. It uh, looks pretty good overall, but it has a number of these uh, uh, areas where it's maybe three-inch diameter, different shapes, uh, voids. And... Uh, I was trying to decide if it was worth the effort or if it's even practical to, instead of planting grass, uh, get a, uh, a section of turf and uh, cut it off to fit and put it in. Is is that a practical thing? And if it is, are there any uh, ideas about how to make that work best? Basically, if you're going to do that, you're, you're talking about buying a piece of sod and then cutting piece, cutting the sod into pieces to yes. sort of plug into the spot. Um, yeah, I would go ahead and give it a try, but make sure that you, you know, work that, that dead spot up before you put the new sod in there and add a little compost in the ground at the same time before you put the sod in there. So just don't dig a hole like with an ice cream scoop, more or less, and stick a plug of sod in there. You're going to have to actually improve the soil in that spot because there's some reason why that spot is dead as opposed to another spot. And by working the soil up, adding some compost to it, and then putting the sod down, that's going to be your best option. Option or chance. Okay, so I've uh, got several minutes per spot. Then yes, uh, right. Okay. All right. Well, I think uh, I'm going I'm to give it a try. Uh, the uh, my my success in getting grass seed to germinate and grow properly is not done done very well. So, yeah. Okay. Thanks very much. Certainly, and I think that's the best thing. And if you're going to do the seed, just make sure that you rake the spot very heavily and you put the seed down, you cover it with compost, and put a seed starter-type fertilizer. But I think you're better off to do this sod. Let's go now to St. Louis County. Ann, how are you? Hi. Uh, good morning, Mike. I have a couple questions. Um, I've had a couple of um, lawn care uh, people come out and trying to decide do you always is uh, liquid always better for weed control? You never use granular. Uh, personally, I like it, but uh, it's not necessarily the best. But uh, you know, it just depends upon what type it is, what type of weed you're going after, how healthy the weed is, you know, what time of the season that you're trying to get it under control. But I like the liquids. It's with me. I mean, to calibrate the spray, the spreaders and everything else, it's just a little bit too difficult. Right. 
Now, with the so, um, with the fertilizer, that's all. We, all of them are saying granular for the fertilizer. But um, so that was one question, and then so you mentioned your daffodils are just kind of starting now. Well, mine, mine, the blooms are all shriveled up and on, and I, I always keep the green leaves till they shrivel up because I've, right. I've that will help for the next year. Right. However, more than I, I have, I had less blooms this year. And, you know, a lot of leaves. Um, when should I fertilize, and are they kind of like the irises that they're old and they're not that old? When should I fertilize to try to get more uh, flowers next year? Basically, you should start fertilizing as soon as the foliage starts breaking the surface of the ground and feed every couple weeks until you actually start to see the flower bud open up. That's the best way to go about doing it. But mine are just in full bloom right now. But there's a house diagonally across the street from me. They had their daffodils on the north side of their house, or I mean on the south side of their house. Theirs have been up and blooming. Theirs were blooming like a month before mine. And yeah. mine are on the, you know, on the north side. Theirs is on the south side. So it shows you a temperature and everything else of the soil is going to be different, and that can control. Also, some varieties just actually bloom earlier than other ones. Okay. And then, uh, you know, one of the lawn companies, I have zoysia, but there's some bare spots. And I said, can I do some plugging? or Not plugging exactly, but he said just buy some, uh, what are those called, the squares. And the sod? Cut them apart. He said, do that May 31st, Memorial Day. And even though they might have hit it, hit the lawn with um, the weed stuff, um, he said, try it um, in, in some of the bare spots. Would you agree? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, certainly. Okay. And All probably right. you're going to have to wait that long anyway because the garden centers are not going to have Zoya's sod anyway prior to that. Yeah. So that's why. All, All right. right. Great. Well, thanks. All right. Bye. Mike Miller, KMYS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. The cards are south of the border and taking on the Cincinnati Reds in Mexico tonight. Emron Total Access 515. First pitch with John Rooney and Ricky Horton at 610. Hear it here on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. KMOX. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, the dandelions are all over the place. Were you listening last week when I was talking about dandelions? You know how those dandelions got here? Well, they were brought over on the Mayflower. The dandelion roots and all this other stuff, they make all this great stuff out of them from days of old, medical things and stuff like that. Ah, Way back when, 1620, the dandelions came here and they've been exploding ever since. Those people on the Mayflower, they should have never done that. Anyway, enough of that stuff. Let's go now to Tom in Winsville. Hi, Tom. How you doing, Mike? I love your show. How, how you been? Good. Hey, I got a quick question. I want to go after uh, these seeds that come up. Sir, you're cutting out. Of my yard? I couldn't understand. Uh, I only heard like two words. In the... Uh, fall my question is if i put a pre-emergent down in the fall which probably is just weed and feed right if i put that down in the fall will i still have time to receive my existing yard a pre-emergent is not weed and feed 
A pre-emergent wow. is actually just a chemical that creates a barrier, a of, let's say a phosphorus barrier on the surface of the soil, and as the seed germinates, it kills the seed as it's germinating. Weed and feed is just a regular herbicide with fertilizer. Okay. So, so pre-emergence like crabgrass preventer. Exactly. Okay. Hey, will I have time, though, Mike, after I put that down in the fall, will I have time to reseed my existing yard? Read the label of the product you get. Sometimes with the, if you put the grass seed down, uh, you know, four weeks afterwards, you're probably fine. But uh, read okay. the specific label on that product that you're putting down. It will tell you exactly how long you have to wait. One more quick question, Mike. I'm looking at a clump of, I don't know if it's onion grass. It's like a six-foot brown diameter, and there's, there's just like 50 clumps coming up in it. It looks like onion. I guess it's onion grass. Will that take yeah. care of that also? Uh, basically, onions or wild garlic. Whichever this is, wild onions, wild garlic, is in the grass family. So, no, that won't. that's coming back from the bulbs, the little onions in the ground. So use a grass killer on that stuff. Uh, okay. When, when do I do that? Now? Yeah. As soon as step on it, bruise it a little bit, and then spray the grass killer r- directly onto that, you know, the wild onions. All right, Mike. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I love your show. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Let's go now to Barry in Oakville. Hi, Barry. Yes, sir. Or is it Oakville? Oakville. Easiest okay. question you field all day. Ball cypress. I'm near 30 years old. Uh, I got a bunch of poison ivy going on around and underneath them. Crossbow, and, and uh, you'll have to mix that really light just enough to kill the, the, the poison ivy that shouldn't bother the tree, correct? Right, exactly. So are you sure it's poison ivy? Guaranteed. Okay. So, yeah, spray it on the foliage. But get a poison ivy killer and just wait till the foliage is out on the poison ivy and spray it on the foliage. That's the only way it's going to be absorbed in. To spray it on the stems is not going to probably be effective. Okay. That is all right to use a commercial wing like crossbow, right? Yes. Oh, okay. Anyway, I do appreciate your program. Well, thank you, and thanks for calling from Oakville. Sorry, I said Oakville. Computer screen's a little hard to read. Uh, Let's go now to Brian in Clayton. Hi, Brian. Uh, Hi, Mr. Mike Miller. I have a question about. You have a. Well, I I hear on your show every now and then uh, little remedies that you can use uh, to kill weeds or in or grass, and I, I was just wondering. Do you think vinegar is is effective in maybe killing unwanted grass or weeds? I don't know if, let's say, regular vinegar is, but there is a horticultural vinegar that you can buy at garden centers that will work. You can try regular vinegar, but uh, I think that might be a little bit more expensive than what uh, the end result is going to be. But there is horticultural vinegar formulated exactly for that situation. Yeah, you know I'm gonna, you know what I'm gonna do. I have Bermuda grass in my backyard. I like to keep it high. I, when I cut my grass, I put my my blade level at the highest because that way I won't have to cut it as often. Well, that's fine. It's just so you don't get any kind of let's say disease or fungus as a result of the humidity. 
that's where the you know the problem no. would come in. So, well, I heard. Well, thanks, I heard Brian. You, I heard that you said that if you cut the grass too low, it could damage the grass blade. Right, damage the actual crown if you scalp it. A lot of people scalp, so cutting it higher is fine. So that should really work. Well, thanks, Brian. I greatly appreciate. It. Let's see if we can get one more call in. Phil, can you do it? Phil from South County, quickly. Yeah, Mike, uh, just about the use of straw. Uh, got my yard dug up uh, from utilities. I threw straw down. It, I put a pretty thick layer. It doesn't seem like it's coming up, but where I put a thinner layer, it seems like it's coming up good. Can you put too much straw down? Absolutely. It just creates too much humidity and creates a real major problem. So you want about uh, six or eight or ten straw blades per square foot is all you want to there. Because that should, you know, that should be an adequate number to keep the, let's say, the moisture of the soil as the seed is germinating. So yeah, okay, too should thick. I, is, should, I rip, should I rip it all up and just put a new coat down? Yeah, I would do that because it's not going to, you know, it's not going to break down. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. Yep, thanks, and thanks to the people here at Stuckmeyer's for having us out today. It's been great fun. And, man, I am very impressed by the plant material here at the nursery and farm and market and everything else that's here. The staff here is great, too. They spend time. I've seen them answer questions. They've got all kinds of different stuff going on all over the place. So it's nothing could be more fun than heading down here. And where are we? We're on Schindler, Schindler, No, it's Snyder Road, and it's off 141 down here in Fenton. It's really just beyond, just west of uh, Tesson Ferry. Tesson Ferry and 141. Great location. They've been here for a long time in a fun place. They've got a class at 1 o'clock today, too. So come down, wander around, and then attend the class. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.